재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Time now for Planet Korea, our weekly blank slate, where we chase down a theme and follow it wherever it leads us. Each Saturday this month, we've been giving you an installment of our three-part series, Made in Korea. In our first edition, we detailed how K-pop gets made. Last week, we took a look at the proliferation of hanshik, or Korean food. And now we're bringing it full circle with a little documentary on the original, traditional version of Korea's most quintessential alcohol, soju. Our team member, GP1, has the story. Annyeong haseyo. My name is Soju. Bon gop su mi da. The Chinese characters that make up my name actually mean burn liquor, and in 2008, I was officially added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. I first met Soju the second day I was in Korea. It was a sweltering August day in Jeonju, and in true rookie expat fashion, I cracked open a bottle on a picnic table in front of a convenience store, thinking to myself, I've spent more on bottled water in America. Yeah. After my first shot, my mind raced with questions. What is this made out of? Why is it so cheap? So this is what the smell in the elevator was. Thing? Why are the bottles all green? I'm a bit embarrassed to admit I didn't finish the bottle that summer day. But today, we pick up where I left off and we'll be seeking out the answers to all those questions together. Cheers. We're outside of Anguk Station, meeting the group. About to go on this... Uh... Brewmaster tour. The Brewmaster tour. You just heard from Veronica. Hi, my name is Veronica, a founder of Gastro Tour Sour. I'm introducing Korean traditional food and culture to expats and tourists from all over the world. <laughs> so traditional alcohol culture, actually, we call it Kayangju. It's a homebrew. We had homebrew culture every time in our traditional, but nobody knows. Before I, you know, opened this business, I didn't even really know about the homebrew. What is that? So I studied and I finally realized it's really good. I've uh, I've lived here six and a half years. I'm, uh, this is the first time I'm really hearing about homebrew. I just thought only some people did it. I didn't know it was so widespread and has so much history. As we snaked our way through Samcheongdong in northern Seoul, I was able to catch glimpses of Bugaksan Mountain piercing through the narrow alleys between the traditional Korean houses that the area is famous for, a visual reminder of the times that soju was first crafted and distilled. Finally, we arrived Soju Studio, named Samhae Soju. Let's go inside. Quite the walk to get here, but I've never had traditional soju, so I guess we're going to see what the difference is. But before we enter, how about a little history? My origins are defined by war. I first began as an offshoot of Iraq, a distilled Levantine spirit. Koreans adopted me from Mongolians during their invasion in the 13th century, and the Mongolians themselves learned to brew my forefathers when they invaded the Persian Empire just prior to that. Soju was once again redefined by war in the 20th century. We'll get to that in just a bit. But first, back to the traditional soju studio. Wow. That immediately when you open the door, that smell hits you. It's fragrant. It's like soju, but sweeter, much more palatable. Okay, let me introduce the brewmaster, Mr. Kim Teksa. He's an intangible national treasure designated by Seoul Metropolitan City. <laughs> I know, I 
He escorted us over to the line of hangari, waist-high clay pots, that ran the perimeter of the room. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really special day. Here I show you the inside of the jar, how it looks like. It's a fermenting, so bubbles are coming out. You can see it. Okay, this is the mixture of water, steamed rice, and then yeast together. It's got this milky texture to it, and the smell is its sweet, it's fragrant, but you can tell that it's alcohol. Yeast, water, and rice. Those simple ingredients, along with temperature and time, would eventually give rise to three different traditional drinks. The thickest part at the bottom of the hangari becomes takju, which, when diluted with water, is consumed as makali. The clearer, less dense alcohol at the top is called changju or yakju, which can be enjoyed on its own or distilled to become soju. The brewmaster told me it only takes 7 to 10 days to brew makali, a sharp contrast to the 100 or so days it takes to produce soju, and that the 25 kilograms of rice in each hangari would only yield 30 or 40 bottles of traditional soju. So everything's from one jar from here. As the porcelain shot glasses were being delicately set before us, the brewmaster explained the cultural significance of soju, comparing it with its little brother, Makli. Firstly, soju is the most difficult drink to make. It takes a lot of time for an ordinary person to make their own soju, and it requires effort. Makali can be made easily, but soju is too hard to make at home. Only aristocrats in the olden days made it themselves. That's also why we called makgeolli the drink of the people, whereas soju was a luxurious drink. In the old days, when you make soju, in order to obtain the cleanest water, the water was drawn from a well before sunrise. However, you don't go through such effort when making makgeolli. And as for makgeolli, the flavor changes over time, whereas soju doesn't. But then, what about the difference between traditional soju and the modern-day stuff? In 1965, the Korean government prohibited distilling me from rice due to food shortages. Manufacturers then adapted by using highly distilled ethanol from sweet potatoes and tapioca, mixed with flavorings and sweeteners. Despite the ban being lifted in 1999, manufacturers still continue to produce me in this fashion. And now that you know the difference, let's get to drinking. This is the time to taste the master's soju. So you can compare how it's different. Oh, it's the same, like, more concentrated smell of this entire house. And just, wow. If this is what real soju smells like, you know, I don't mind going, getting into the subway and last train so much anymore, you know. Doesn't it smell amazing? It smells really oh, my gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. It comes out of your nostrils a little bit. It's wow. Yeah, it is quite strong. But, you know, a lot of people would describe soju as, as something very synthetic. This is the same essence of soju that we currently have in those green neon bottles, but with something more of a, a heart and a culture in it. The difference is, of course, like I feel in my nostrils, I feel the burn, but it takes away all the bitterness and the aftertaste and the cringing that goes with the soju culture that I've kind of grown up with. This is six and a half years in Korea, and this is my first taste of real soju. So <laughs> this is much more palatable. Wow. Who wants you to guess uh, the alcohol percentage? It looks exactly the same. 
It tastes strong. I, I'm going to go with maybe 20, 22 is my guess. 22%. It's very strong, yeah. 40, oh, I see. 40, 45. This is 45%. 45%? Percent? This is 45%. <laughs> its fragrance and smooth taste stood head and shoulders above what I was used to, which made me curious about why it wasn't more popular. I asked the brewmaster if crafting traditional soju could simply be adapted into a larger scale setting much in the same way a number of craft beers have been. You can do it in a factory, but when you do, the soju loses its meaning, the meaning of tradition. So even if it's only very limited production, those who uphold the traditional method should continue to do so. The meaning of tradition. Tradition comes at a price, though. The brewmaster was charging 25,000 won a bottle, compared to a generic bottle of soju, which costs... Soju 한 병은 얼마요? 1,350 won, give or take a few hundred won, at any mart or convenience store here in Korea. Expect to pay a bit more if you're abroad, though. Hi, my name is Jackie, and I live in Sydney, Australia. I'm Kate. Soju costs about $11, which is about 10,000 Korean And in Yokohama, Japan, soju is 270 yen, or 3,000 won a bottle. In London, soju is about 7 pounds, or 12,000 won. I'm Marcus from Frankfurt, Germany, and over here, a bottle of soju is about 3 euro 50 or 4,761. Despite inflated prices due to shipping costs and relatively short supply abroad, there is indeed a demand to match it. I possess the top market share in the diluted alcohols category. I'm exported to over 80 countries, and in 2013, global sales by my leading manufacturer were 750 million bottles. The second largest spirits brand, a British-owned vodka manufacturer, sold less than half that number. Exported to over 80 countries, and at least one of those countries has started their own grassroots traditional soju distilling. Oh, yeah. Hi everybody, this is Brandon Hill from Koki Soju. We are based here in New York. I moved to Korea in 2011 and I attended Susabori at Gyeonggi University where I studied traditional Korean fermentation techniques and distillation techniques as well. I moved back to New York to head up a whiskey project and whenever I had open fermenters I started making makgeolli because I couldn't find any of the good unpasteurized stuff here in the U.S. and it was met with such a good response that I started making makgeolli and soju here and that's kind of where Toki came about. But wait just a second. People barely make traditional soju over here in Korea. Why even bother doing it anywhere else? I mean, I don't claim to be an expert here and I'm obviously not bound by blood to the culture, but when I went over to Korea, I got to see how beautiful the culture was. It was so hospitable and everyone was so welcoming and so beautiful and I fell in love with the food. And what I love about drinking cultures and having a background in making spirits is that initially there's a big language barrier, cultural barrier. Once you start drinking, those walls kind of break down and you get to start to really know people, your inhibitions are a little relaxed. So that's what I kind of wanted to bring my experience so other people could have that here and not just, you know, the green bottle stuff that everyone equates to horrible, horrible hangovers. Toki doesn't have any chemicals, any additives, any sweeteners. It's it's three ingredients. It's yeast, water, and rice, and that's it. And so you know exactly what's going in your body. Uh, it's made the traditional way. 
and I just wanted to celebrate Korean culture here in the U.S. I noticed that both Brandon and brewmaster Kim Tae-song were quick to point out the difference between their alcohol and cheap factory-manufactured green bottle soju. So iconic is the green bottle that any other vessel just seems wrong. That wasn't always the case, though. I used to always be seen in clear or sky blue bottles, but in 1994, a brand called Green Soju took the market by storm, dethroning the nation's historically leading manufacturer. Green Soju, which differentiated itself with a green bottle, became so popular that within five years, other companies adopted its look. Back to Brandon now. I asked him if soju was really becoming a thing over there, or were people viewing it as a movement for only those who had fallen so in love with Korean culture that it had taken them from K-pop to the K-pub. Just like Korea, America is a big drinking culture, and anytime you add good food and booze to the equation, we're going to be on board. And the community and camaraderie of it is really attractive to Americans. So I think that's where the initial allure was, and I'm just trying to take it a step up I think once it makes it in the bigger cities like New York, L.A., Chicago, it'll spread through the rest of the country like the beer scene has. But right now, I think the demand is pretty much isolated to bigger cities. Apparently, artisanal soju is carving out a place for itself in the liquor cabinets of spirit enthusiasts, in New York at least. But does it stand a chance in its home country where cheap, mass-manufactured soju dominates the market? You know, Korea has become a world power, and the food is already operating on just such a high level. Like, the food, they've already nailed it. I think closely behind it is going to become spirit. There's going to be a massive market for high-quality makgeolli and and high-quality soju, and that's going to come pretty soon, especially with more money pouring into Korea and more globalization where the Korean community coming over here and the craft movement spreading from Europe to the Americas. And now Japan's already on board. They're now responsible for the best single malt whiskeys on the planet as of last year. I think it's becoming a global thing to every country that can afford to uh, to indulge. And I think Korea's right at the cusp. So um, it's going to change over there pretty soon as well. And I think, same for America, I, I've seen a big trend in the bar scene with lower proof spirits, especially vermouths, amaros, sakes. And I think soju's going to be grouped into those. That's going to be one of the next big things in the Americas as well. In the future, I believe Koreans will definitely prefer and switch to proper high-quality traditional Korean alcohol rather than the cheap stuff. We also have to think about health and more and more people can tell the difference between diluted soju and traditional soju. People are willing to forego the amount they drink in order to enjoy great taste. I don't think this future is very far off. Now, if you missed the first and second installments of Made in Korea, our series this month, you can always catch up on those via the website or via iTunes. Just look for Koreascape in the iTunes store and you'll find those available as podcasts. And that will do it for this special weekend edition of our show. Koreascape is produced by Christina So, associate production by Jamie Lee, and reporting by G.P. Wen, who you just heard from there. I'm Kurt Asian. If you enjoyed today's show, please don't be shy about throwing us a like on our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Koreascape, or follow us over at the Twitter handle, at Koreascape. We'll be back again on Monday with fresh editions of Culture Pulse and our new segment, Rock Scholar. We'll see you then.